Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, Christ Point. How are you doing this morning? Okay, this is going to be a one-way conversation. Great. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for asking. It's good to see you. If you're new to Christ Point, hopefully you notice a connection card on your seat or on uh, the pew along the side or on one of the rocking chairs in the back. Uh, you can scan that with your phone. It'll take you to an online form. You can find out about uh, what's coming up here at Christ Point. If you want to register for a group or for an event, you can do it by scanning that. Or if you would prefer, you can uh, fill that out with a pen and put it in the offering box in the back before you leave this morning. We'd love to know that you uh, were here. At Christ Point, we believe in authentic community. We want uh, to cultivate significant relationships uh, with one another. It doesn't just happen. We don't uh, drift our way into those. It takes intentionality. And so, ladies, I want to let you know that uh, coming up in September on Wednesday, I believe it's September the 8th, uh, there's an opportunity for you to come here uh, for a dinner as the ladies kick off uh, their studies this fall. And then there's two separate studies that you can sign up for online. If you have any questions about the women's studies, uh, they're going to be going through uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, you can send me an email at uh, james at christpoint.com or info at christpoint.com, and I'll get you in touch with either Jill or Heidi, who lead our women's ministry, and they'll give you all of the details that you need. Uh, well, this morning, I uh, am excited to uh, share with you a financial update, and when I say I, I mean Phil is excited to share with you a financial update, and so Phil, the floor is yours. Thank you, James. Welcome, y'all. Good morning. Oh, that's a little better. That's a little better. So, my, again, my name is Phil. I'm one of the elders here at Christ Point. Uh, I'm also one of our leaders for our students, and so welcome this morning. So, periodically, we as elders want to give an update, and so this morning we want to provide a financial update uh, as to how we're doing, the health of our church. And God has been so, so good to our church and our body uh, even in a pandemic. And so you'll see behind me, uh, there's just some analysis. You'll have a general fund and you'll have a home fund. And so I want to share a few highlights with you. Uh, but bottom line is, uh, we're doing very well financially uh, as a church. And so our general fund this year in 2021, we budgeted uh, $33,000 from a giving standpoint. We, we expected that to come in um, and, and you'll see behind me, um, we, so we budgeted 264000 to come in, and God has just blown us away. Uh, he's brought in over $300,000, and that's year to date. So how about we praise God for that? And so we know all this is his, none of it's ours, right? And so we praise God for your generosity and how you're giving to his church, and it allows us to do uh, our ministry. And so a few of the expenses, expenses have gone well as well. Um, we, one of the reasons is our worship leader who we've been searching for, we haven't found yet. And so we haven't been paying a worship leader. And so uh, continue to pray for a worship leader. So if you're that worship leader, come talk to us, or at least you think you are. Billy, you are not that guy. Um, <laughs> also, if you know someone that is, uh, or potentially, we'd love to talk to them. Uh, because we would like to have a worship leader on staff to help lead in worship. Um, one other thing, which was really cool, is uh, it's unexpected expense, but uh, Pam and Heather have been leading a team over on our land to renovate our log cabin. And so for a little less than $19,000, they have converted. We're about two weeks away from that converting from 
um, you know, a place where someone lived to now uh, an office and a meeting space. And so uh, we praise God for that. So that was 19000 that we hadn't budgeted for this year. But because of uh, our church's generosity, we're able to fund that. Um, so that's the general fund. And then this year, because God, we're praying open-handed, God, where are you on us? Where are you going to take us? And he led us to purchase some land. And so we created a home fund that was above and beyond the general fund. And so um, if you've been with us for a little bit, you've, you know that we purchased six and a half acres right off of Ridge Road uh, for just over $500,000. It was a great deal uh, by Tommy Ayler and the family. It, it, it appraised at a million dollars. So God was so good to give us that. We owe $411,000 left on that. Um, and so you can see just from the pledges this year, we had over $100,000 pledge, $112,000. And 65% of that's already come in, right? So $75,000 has already come in. That's above and beyond what uh, the general fund. And so uh, we're so grateful for that. Our prayer is just to pay that off as quickly as possible so that then we're open-handed with, hey, God, what do you have for us? The land. We had a team meet last week to kick off sort of the vision for what we do with the land to use it short-term and long-term for uh, God's good and his glory. Um, and so just bottom line is we have a lot to praise God for. Um, just financially, he's really exceed, I mean, just brought in so much. Uh, but also, if you haven't heard about what we're doing over at the land and you want to, um, it, probably within the next month, we're going to have a time after the service where you can jump in and we'll go over there and we'll tell you about it. And then, um, and if you want to be a part of this, um, you can just go online at uh, Christpoint.com. I think it's a forward slash giving. And you, there's a drop down for general fund or home fund or go fund, and you can participate there. So we praise God for that. James, can I pray for us? All right. Jesus, we, we thank you for everything that you have done and continue to do. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We, we, um, we're so grateful for... Um, just how you continue to bless, even in a pandemic, how you have brought the right people to the right place to point people to you, God. And so we're open-handed with how you want us to steward the gifts and talents you've given us. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Kids, in the back, Miss Becky, head on back that way. Is that right? Yeah, no, you I didn't forget. You, that's amazing. Uh, I kind of thought you were. Yeah, that's a win. But you didn't. Thanks, Phil. Great job. Oh, yeah, leave that there, just, just in case. Uh, hey, if someone asked you to describe your father, your dad, uh, what would you say? Never met him before, but if I were to approach you and say, hey, tell me about your dad, uh, what words would you use to describe him? Uh, when you're a little kid, you tell your friends simply, my dad is better than your dad. Uh, you don't know why, but you kind of lead with that. My dad is better than your dad. When you get a little older, maybe when you're a teenager and you go over to a friend's house and you meet another father, you may walk away and say, hey, your dad, uh, your dad is pretty cool. I didn't expect that because you're not. Your dad's pretty cool. Or, or your dad's funny. Your dad's funny. Your dad's funny. And I didn't expect that because you're not funny. Like you, you have an impression when you leave his presence. If you are a teenage boy and you remember what it was like to go over to a teenage girl's house and meet her father, uh, you might walk away saying uh, to uh, your significant other, will he really bury me in the backyard? Like, was that, was he serious? Does he, does he have a shotgun um, that, that he chucks on a regular basis? Like, is he serious? Like, we, we have impressions of dads 
when we first meet them, do we not? Uh, if I were to ask you, tell me not about your earthly father, but tell me about your heavenly father. Uh, tell me about your dad in heaven. How would you describe him? Uh, what words would come to mind? Uh, this morning, I want to use three words uh, to describe our father in heaven. And I want to do that by reading through Jonah chapter 3, and I want us to notice the character of God in this passage. Uh, something that's incredibly beneficial when you open up the Word is to simply ask, what does this teach about God? I don't know about you, but sometimes my temptation initially is to think, how does this apply to me? <laughs> it's important, but uh, I think it can be even more helpful uh, for us to say, what does this teach about uh, God? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 3, uh, Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word of the Lord reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence uh, that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his first fierce anger so that we might not perish. When God uh, saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, I pray that you would open our eyes and help us to see. I pray that you would open our ears and help us to hear. I pray that you would soften our hearts and help us to receive uh, what you have for us today. Uh, God, we love you. We commit this time to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, the first thing that uh, I noticed in reading through Jonah chapter 3 is that God is kind. A God is kind. Now, you might be wondering, where did you see that uh, in Jonah chapter 3? Why do you mention that? Why does that stick out to you? Well, it happened as I was reading Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah the second time. The second time. Uh, that stopped me in my tracks. You may remember that God gave Jonah a word the first time, uh, but Jonah was not listening. Jonah essentially did one of these things and was like, I can't hear you, God, and uh, took off away from the presence of the Lord. If you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, then you know that Jonah went in the exact opposite direction uh, that God told him to go. 
And so God chases after him and brings him back. And in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. In other words, God is giving Jonah a do-over. He's giving him a second chance. Um, Do we have any golfers here this morning? Any golfers? Any golfers? Okay, one, thank you. Uh, Two, thank you, I see that hand. I'm not a golfer. I've always wanted to be a golfer. Uh, But I I learned uh, long ago that there is a rule in golf uh, that benefits the golfer. I don't know who made it up, but I love whoever did. Uh, If you have been golfing before, you know what it's like uh, to step up to the hardest par four. I stole my son's golf clubs today, and his golf bag doesn't work really well, and so I just dropped it on the ground. I'm going to move this to the side. Um, you step up to that difficult par four, you know, the toughest one on the course, and uh, you, you grab a, a golf ball uh, from your bag, and you tee it up. I don't have a tee this morning. I don't want to go past the speakers. So I'm just going to, I'm going to hit it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it off the deck, as they say. Right? You step up to that difficult par four, and I don't know why people wiggle the club a little bit, but I think that that's what you're supposed to you're supposed to wiggle it a little bit, and you're supposed, to get, you're supposed to get loose. Some people stand behind it, and they visualize what they're about to do. I do that occasionally, so I look like a golfer. And then I step to the side, and you want to line up the ball toward your front foot. At least that's what I've, I've been told. And I just remind myself all of the things that I've been taught in golf, like keep your head down, don't drop your shoulders, slowly pull the club back, keep your arm tucked in, keep your eyes on the ball, um, swivel your hips, like bend your knees. This is, all, this is the conversation I'm having in my head. And so you know how good a golfer I am. And you know what it's like to, to crush that drive uh, on that par four um, into the water or into uh, the woods, or as I've been known to do, somewhere between the men's tee and the women's tee. It's not funny. It's not funny. But, but I learned that there is, there is something that you can say that changes everything. And the thing that you say that changes everything after you've hit the worst shot of your life is mulligan, and you just simply go back to your bag, and you grab another ball, and you pretend that everything that just happened didn't happen. Like for some strange reason, that horrible shot that you just hit uh, didn't count. You call do-over, a mulligan. It's a second chance to do it all again. From what I understand, if you play professionally, you're not allowed to do that. Right? I think that's just something for the weekend warriors. But I, but I love that. Uh, how many of us have ever wanted to call mulligan? You ever want to do over before? You ever look at a relationship in your life and think to yourself, I wish I could do that again. You ever have a conversation with someone you loved before and and the words are coming out of your mouth that you are already regretting and and you wish like you could pull them back in? You want a mulligan. You You want a second chance. Do you ever make a decision before in your life that was so bad that someone who knows you and loves you comes alongside of you and says to you, what were you thinking? And the only thing you can say was, uh, I, I wasn't. Or I don't know what I was thinking. 
ever make a bad financial decision before that seemed so clear to you in the moment, but then things went south and fell apart? And you wish, oh, you wish you could just say, Mulligan. Here in Jonah chapter 3, in verse 1, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Like this, is, this is Jonah's mulligan. This is his opportunity uh, to do it again. It's like God, like a director, has said, cut, let's take it from the top. This, uh, to me, shows God's kindness. It shows his kindness. God doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to do it. He, he is well within his right as God of the universe um, to look for help elsewhere. Uh, he could look to Jonah and say, Jonah, you've had your shot. Thanks for playing. Uh, you've shown me all that you need to show me. Carry on. But God doesn't do that. He comes to Jonah, the word of the Lord, a second time. And God, God is so kind because he is a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh chances. He does it all the time. Uh, truth be told, he does it each and every day of your life and my life. He says, let's take it from the top. Uh, let's try it again. God is kind. Secondly, uh, we notice that God is just. I admittedly, this probably isn't as appealing to us as God's kindness, but we see it here in the text. It says, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth, and Jonah began to go into the city, uh, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. Um, admittedly, this is a bit unsettling uh, for us. Right, that the God of the universe is looking at a people and how they live and how they operate. Uh, he is looking at their wicked practices, and he essentially says, uh, no more. No more. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. This is chapter 1, verse 1, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Further evil has come up before me. Um, God is not happy uh, with the Ninevites. Right? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. We talked a little bit about Assyria a few weeks ago. We said they had a reputation uh, for being a wicked people. I mean, the things that they would do to people when they captured them in war were so horrific, they would make your stomach turn. They're... they're pictures, there's art that has been done showing um, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, when they would, would capture an enemy, they would behead uh, the enemy and they would put their head on a pole and they would literally march through the city with it. Like they, would, they would stretch out their, their victims and literally cut off, flay their, their skin. I mean, they were the kinds of people that you would read stuff about them and you might think to yourself, like, I hope they get what's coming to them. They were a wicked people. And God uh, saw them. He saw them. 
He saw how they operated and how they moved and how they treated other people. And, and he did, did not turn uh, his back because God is just. He's patient. He's slow to anger. Um, but God is also just. And here in Jonah, uh, God is essentially a saying, that's enough. No more. Like, Assyrians, you're not going to operate that way uh, any longer. Right? Like, he, he's had enough. He's reached uh, his, his boiling point, so to speak. Uh, the other day, I was at Panera, and I was watching a little girl sitting at a table, and she had her mom's phone. And she was watching a show on her mom's phone. And it came time for them to leave Panera, to leave the restaurant. And her mom uh, took the phone uh, from her daughter. She probably was guessing like four, maybe three, four, five, five years old. Just a, just a little girl. I don't know if you've ever taken a screen away from a young child before. Doesn't always go well. Right? And it did not go well for this lady. There were stages on this little girl's face where I'm standing back, like just kind of watching this thing transpire, uh, thinking to myself, oh boy. Like at first there was a look that the little girl gave to her mom. Like if looks could kill, the little girl would not have a mom. She was not happy with her mom. And then after she gave her the look, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the little girl tried the stomp method. She was trying to drill the bottom of her foot through the floor at Panera. She was doing one of these things. That didn't work, and so she graduated to the, I'm going to try to make as much noise as I possibly can and make this incredibly uncomfortable for you. And so that's what she did. The little girl started to scream. And then in that moment, the mother, who was very patient up until this point, listen, if that mom is here this morning, you did a great job. I just want you to know I'm not calling you out. But at that point, the mom reached down to her little girl and she grabbed her little girl and threw her under her arm like she was a Kate Spade purse. And she carried her out of that Panera bread. And I saw her outside, set her down, and she, like she was, she gave her like this little guy. Like she was, she was letting her have it. It's like she reached a point where she was like, no, no, no. Okay, that's enough. Right? God, God's super patient with his kids. He is slow to anger. There's times where God just operates in such a way where he's like, no, no, no. Okay, that's enough. And that's where he was uh, with the Ninevites. And so he, he told Jonah, I want you to, to go and I want you to tell him that, that their wickedness has come up before me. Like, I've, no, I've noticed how they've operated. God is a, a just um, God. We, we see God's justice all over uh, the pages of Scripture. We, we see God's justice when he interacts with sinners. Um, I was reading through Leviticus last week, and I came to, I think it's Leviticus chapter 24, and there's this story that I never remembered about a woman's son who got into a fight and when he got into the fight he he cursed god right he cursed god and so the community uh, takes this this young man and they go before the lord and they're like hey what should we do with him and in leviticus chapter 24 says god told the people to lay hands 
on this man and to stone him. Like I, I read stories like that and I go, that doesn't always fit cleanly uh, with my category of God being kind uh, and loving and swell. God is, is also just. He is just. And so he does not uh, ignore sin. We see God's justice when we read through the pages of Scripture. Uh, we see God's justice when we notice the brokenness of creation. Sometimes we look at the brokenness of creation and we think to ourselves, um, God, you're just. Why don't you just do something about this? Like this is the dictionary definition of brokenness. Like, God, show up here, speak into this. How many people have watched the news over the last week at what's taking place in Afghanistan and thought to yourself, Lord, like, move, like, act. Do you see what's taking place? Do you, do you notice? Do something about this. But in many ways, when we see um, events like that taking place, believe it or not, uh, that is God's justice. God can respond to injustice um, through wrath. In other words, there are times when God looks at people and says, like, you can have what you want. Isaiah chapter, um, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 19. Listen to this. Isaiah looked at his unjust society that he saw and scripture says this, through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, uh, the land is scorched and the people are like fuel for the fire. No one spares another. They devour but are not, not satisfied. Manasseh devours Ephraim and Ephraim devours Manasseh. In other words, this is, this is God's justice and God going like, okay, like I'm gonna, you can have what you want. And so sometimes we see brokenness in the world, and that is God's justice. That, that's God giving the people ultimately what they want. It's the people uh, ruling their own hearts, calling their own shots. So we see God's justice in Scripture as he deals with uh, sinners. We see God's justice as we notice the brokenness of creation, but we also see God's justice displayed in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. We see God's justice displayed in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Um, God cannot ignore sin or turn a blind eye to sin, so God sent his son Jesus, fully God and fully man, uh, to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. The punishment that we deserve, that you and I deserve for our sin, right, was placed upon Jesus. His mercy uh, and grace are not in spite of his justice, but because of it. God's mercy and grace are not in spite of his justice, but because of it. Right? And so we, we see in Scripture God, God's kindness, and we see uh, his uh, justice. As an aside, I think this is really important when we read through uh, Jonah chapter 3 to consider how God is um, interacting with creation and how he is responding uh, to injustice that he sees before him. Because... Um, there's been a ton of talk, particularly recently, about justice issues. Right? You, you turn on the news, you read the papers or the blogs or Twitter, and 
and lots of people talk about justice. Um, Biblical justice that we read about is oftentimes different uh, than the justice that we may see or read about in the papers because biblical justice is connected to biblical or godly righteousness. Our view of justice oftentimes is, I essentially want to live my life however I want to, and you can't tell me otherwise. And if you do, then get out of my way. That's not biblical justice. Biblical justice is knowing and understanding the character of God, and when we see unrighteousness in the world standing up and going, that's not right. But oftentimes, as a people, we have a tendency to do one of two things. We stand on one side and we trumpet justice, or our definition of justice, but we don't talk about sin. We don't talk about God's righteousness or holiness. Or we swing the pendulum in the other direction and and we just want to stand on the street corner and trumpet sin and go, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. But we never stop to go, "Um, that injustice that we see or experience, that's not right. I think Jonah chapter 3 teaches us both. God is sending Jonah into an unjust nation, into an unjust people to tell them, hey, this injustice that's taking place, how you're treating other people, it's not right. That needs to change. And he's telling them, essentially, you need to repent. You need to turn. And so as a people, I think we learn a lot by by looking at how, how God Uh, interacts with his people and the instructions that he gives uh, to Jonah in Jonah chapter 3. Does that make sense? Am I in trouble for any of that? Send me an email if I am. Uh, God uh, God is kind. God is kind. Um, God gives mulligans. He does it all the time. And um, God is just. Uh, God is just. Lastly, God is merciful. God is merciful. I just want to begin reading again in Jonah chapter 3, verse just 5, and I want you to, to think about the mercy of God that is all over this story. It says, And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Uh, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we might not perish. Verse 10, And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now Jonah rolls into town and preaches what in the Hebrew, I believe, is a five-word sermon. It's, it's possible that there is more to his message than that, but this is what we have recorded in the story. In the Hebrew, it's like five words. 
How many people here would love if I would just would preach a five-word sermon? Pounds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, five words. Five words. And do you see what happens? Do you see what happens? Like mass repentance. Like some people look at this story and they're like, I don't, I don't know if the Ninevites really come and trust in Yahweh. Like maybe they're just turning from uh, their ruthlessness, their activity. People debate whether or not they actually came to saving faith in the Lord. One thing is clear, regardless of where you end up on that spectrum, like this was not expected. This is not expected. This is like going to to ISIS or the Taliban or North Korea or Iran, like fill in the blank of whatever country you have in your mind that's so far from God that they would never come. That's what's taking place here. Think about the power of God's word. Five words. And there's mass repentance. A nationwide fast is called. Even the animals. I mean, that's, this kind of plays into the story, like everything is great and big and almost seemingly far-fetched at times, like they're, they're calling the animals to repent. It's like everyone. I, listen, I have, a, I have a Jack Russell Terrier. I'm convinced that there are times when my dog needs to repent, right? So I read this and I'm like, please, Lord, if this still happens, I don't know what it looks like, but there's times I come home when I've been gone for a little while and Jack, my Jack Russell Terrier, looks at me and drops his... Like, I know he's done something bad. Like, he's, he's sinned. And he, <laughs> he needs to repent of doing whatever he did on the carpet. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that... This, this story, the way that it's told, it's, it's just trying to remind the reader, like, hey, this was a big deal. Like, this was a big deal. Like, fast, sackcloth, like the, the, the sign of, of repentance. And they just cry out uh, to, to the Lord. And they're like, like who, know, who knows? Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I know. Um, God is merciful. God's merciful. And he is full of grace. And so if you are here this morning, it does not matter how far, does not matter how far uh, you have drifted or, or traveled uh, from the Lord. It doesn't matter if you've been running for, for days or weeks or months or for a lifetime. Your, your rap sheet and your list of stuff that you carry with you, there, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that is beyond the grace and the mercy of God. God is kind. God is just. And God is merciful. My prayer for you and my prayer for me uh, is that we, as a people, uh, that we would know his kindness and his justice uh, and his mercy. Uh, would you pray with me? Father God, I want that uh, for uh, 
Uh, for me, I want that for us as, as a people. Lord, thank you that your word uh, teaches us who you are, uh, that you are a father uh, who extends kindness to us. You uh, give us second and third and fourth and fifth uh, chances each and every day, and so we give you thanks. God, you are, you are just, and, and that's actually really good news for us, that, that your justice is not in opposition uh, to your love or to your grace, but that is, that is a part of who you are, that is who you are, and so we thank you. Thank you, God, that you are merciful, uh, that you do not treat us in the way that we uh, deserve. I thank you that you still extend uh, the call to your people to come uh, even today. And so I, I pray this morning, Lord, if there are uh, folks here this morning who are far, to you, far from you, um, I pray that by your spirit you would draw them near. Allow them to experience the hope and the joy and the peace that comes uh, from a relationship with you. God, we love you so much. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.